The following audio is from Cross Life Church in Tampa, Florida. We are a church that exists to help people find Christ, their place in the body, and their mission to the world. Our calling is to raise leaders and plant churches. So if you live in the Hudson area or near Wesley Chapel, you can also check us out at one of our other locations. For more information, visit us at crosslife.net. All right, Jonah chapter 1. We started uh, there last week. We got through verses 1 through 4. And so this morning, uh, I'd like to see, maybe we probably get through the rest of uh, chapter 1. So last week, in verses 1 through 4, we know it was uh, God had called Jonah to go to Nineveh to preach against it because of wickedness had come up before them. And we, we learn that Jonah doesn't do that, but rather he flees the command of God. And so, uh, you know, Jonah's response to God's command was to flee. God's response to Jonah was a storm. And so, verse 4, picking up again, it says that the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea. And I think one of the things that's, that we really need to understand is that the storm was from God. He sent the storm. And for me, I just see this, that the storm was meant to bring Jonah to repentance and obedience. That was the reason of the storm. So I don't see the storm as punishment, punitive to bring pain. I see the storm as a corrective measure for Jonah in his life. And I think sometimes when things come against us, uh, God's whole heart and intention behind it all is not to bring pain to our life. It's to bring corrective measures to a life. It's to, to get us to the place where we need to be. And, you know, we talked about it so many times. There is this way that God wants us to walk in. And all the things that He's doing in our life is to bring us to that realization. And when we get out here and pain is, does happen to be in our life, that if... So, so, so uh, I think next week, going to be talking about this, this whole idea about punishment and repentance... You know, just, I think sometimes we miss it. I think sometimes we don't understand that when, first of all, for the most part, when stuff has happened to our life, we kind of, we've kind of brought it on ourselves. for the most part. And I think about this, about a corrective measure, and you think, really, a storm? That, that was God's response to Jonah? was like a storm? He hurled a mighty wind upon the sea in this great tempest? Well, I guess, that, for me, I guess God thought that was an appropriate response to Jonah's rebellion. Because last week we said it wasn't that Jonah was reluctant. It wasn't that. He was defiant. There was no conversation. God, uh, are you sure about this? Are you sure about Nineveh? You heard about him? Are you sure I'm the right guy? Whatever it is. So... 500 miles to the east to Nineveh. No, 2,500 miles the opposite direction to Tarsus. So let's talk about the storm. 
The storm, this storm was different. This storm was so great that the sailors were afraid. I mean, these guys lived most of their life on the sea. That was their, that was their livelihood. They were used to storms, right? In verse 5, it says, All the sailors were afraid, and each one cried out to his God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone down below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. So my first read of this, I'm going, that's interesting. These sailors, like, they're going, this, like, this isn't normal. There was something about this storm that was different. Maybe it was because of the severity of it. Maybe it was because of the abruptness of it. Now, again, these guys lived on the sea. Remember when uh, Paul, is, uh, he, he makes his appeal to Caesar, and he's going to Caesar. He, they get on a ship, and they go so far, and then they're at this port, and they're going to go a little further, and Paul's going, yeah, no, don't do this. It's, it's not going to end well. It, and in the, in the text specifically, it was not the time to sail. But they wanted to hurry up and get there, and so there was these fair winds that came, and they took off. And so if you think about, yeah, they didn't have radar. Uh, they didn't have all the things we had, but they weren't stupid either. They knew the seasons to sail. So that they, it's interesting that the sailors go, this is a little bit different. And the reason I say that is because as soon when this storm hit, the first thing they did is they began to cry out to their gods. So they were thinking, okay, this, this, is not, this isn't coming just because of the time of seasons or whatever. Something else, behind, something else is behind the storm, right? And so they thought that themselves, well, we're going to cry out to our God. Maybe somebody made their God mad and we need to do something to appease the gods because this storm must have come from something like that. So they begin to call out to their gods, and that doesn't work. So the next thing they do is they begin to throw out the cargo. So, you know, all the cargo that was on the ship would have been down in the bottom of the ship. So they're going down there, throwing cargo out. And while they're down there, they find Jonah is fast asleep. Now, they're throwing the cargo out to lighten the ship so it doesn't sink or so that it doesn't break up. They're down there. The captain specifically sees Jonah down there. He's below deck, and he's fast asleep. Now, again, as, as for me, when I read through accountings like this, you know, some people, I've started to use that word more, accounting, because sometimes it's like when you use story, it's like people think, okay, so make believe. That's, you know, this was like a, like a story, like a children, no, this is an accounting. And in the introduction, I said that it was truly an accounting, and Jesus even validated the accounting of what is taking place. And so when I begin to ponder through this, I'm thinking, Jonah's fast asleep. So I'm thinking to myself, you know, Jonah, he flees God. He jumps on the boat. It doesn't say how far they got in. It doesn't say how many days they sailed. It, none of that. But Jonah gets on the ship, goes down underneath, and falls asleep. Maybe he's thinking, okay, well, I'm good. (laughs) 
I, I, I get a, I kind of get to do what I want. No problems. Coast is clear. Maybe he's feeling relieved. Who knows? But it says that Jonah was, as he's in this deck, fast asleep. I'm sure he's thinking in his mind, okay, my plans have prevailed, right? I'm good. Uh, I just want to say that this, this storm or storms, or maybe put it this way, God's storms. God's storms are life-changing encounters. I think we can all attest to that. We've been through them. God's storms, they're, well, they're, <laughs> they're life-changing encounters, and they have a single purpose. God's storms in our life have a singular purpose. And that is to bring us back into right relationship with Him. Now, you think in singular, well, what if it's this or this? No, you, you could just take all of whatever is rebellion, uh, whatever sin, whatever it is. God's one purpose is to take wherever you are and whatever's going on is to draw you in and bring you here into this right relationship with Him. So again, I don't see this as punishment as much as just that corrective measure uh, that God is using. God uses stuff, right? God uses stuff in our life. And so the captain, he's down under the boat. He sees that Jonah's asleep, and he wakes Jonah up, asking him, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. So every pun intended here. This is a wake-up call for Jonah. The storm. Think, think, now just back it up in our own life. Sometimes I think the same way. Storms are wake-up calls for us in our life. Now I'm thinking that in the captain's mind, he's going, okay, We've called on our gods. We haven't gotten anywhere. That hasn't helped now. Why don't you call on your God? Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Now, nothing is said whether Jonah prayed or Jonah didn't pray at this point. We don't have that in this accounting. It's, maybe it's just, if Jonah's the author and he wrote it, he experienced it all because he didn't have, he wasn't writing in the belly of a fish. We get that, right? He's not writing while there's a storm. It's, it's an accounting after, and he goes back and he writes it. So they're just, a lot of times the things that are left out are left out because they're, they're not the important things that we need to understand. So, here are the sailors, they're First response, because of the storm and the nature of the storm, they call on their gods. Then they lighten the ship. Then they got the one guy on board who hasn't been praying to call on his god. And then there's nothing. So what are they going to do? Well, the next logical thing for them, in their mind, is to cast lots. So in verse 7... It says, then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. Now, this isn't, uh, this isn't a practice, at least shouldn't be, uh, a practice in the churches today. You know, flip a coin, draw straws, roll dice. 
Okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? And you throw six dice out and it's six cities. Yeah, I don't know. That's not something we do, but in that culture, in those times, civilizations, they, they cast lots. Because they felt that it would be through divination, it would bring out the will of God in that scenario. And the Jews, they had, we reread through the, the scriptures that they would cast lots to try to determine God's will. So I got to thinking about that, and I thought, well, did that ever happen in the New Testament? And it did once. Only one time in the New Testament, after the resurrection of Jesus, did they cast lots. And that's when they were trying to fill the slot for Judas. And they cast lots, but you don't read it again that they cast lots. Matter of fact, you read when Paul and Barnabas were going to be set out and different things that took place, it says that the Spirit of God moved them, or the Spirit of God prompted them, right? And so New Testament believers, they learned that they didn't need to cast lots to know the will of God because they had the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now think about it for us today, because we have the completed Word of God. They're going on an Old Testament. We have the completed Word of God for us and the indwelling Spirit to guide us. So there's no reason to use games of chance to try to find what God wants for our life. It's like, okay, Lord, if tomorrow morning it's sunny and I go out, then I know that's what I'm supposed to do. No, we're supposed to be led by the Spirit of God. So the Word and the Spirit and prayer are sufficient for discerning God's will for us today. Not those other things of drawing straws, rolling dice, or flipping coins, or whatever it is. So, reading the story, it's like no matter what you think about this idea that they cast lots, and here was a bunch of, here was a bunch of heathen sailors casting lots, what we do know for sure as we read the story, God was in it. Because the lot did fall on Jonah. And when the lot fell on Jonah, they said, they said, tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us. Well, the first thought is, well, Jonah's the guy that's responsible. That's really, that's really not what they're asking. They're asking who sent the storm. For me, I'm reading this, I'm pondering, and I'm thinking, yeah, they, they know that Jonah's responsible. The lot fell on him. But yet they ask the question, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? And uh, it's almost like then they began to ask questions. We, we just kind of need to know exactly who you are. This is taking place. This is different. We don't know what to do. So we kind of need to know exactly who you are. And so they began to ask questions. What kind of work do you do? So it's almost like that in my mind, I was just thinking, like, who are you exactly? Are you like you some kind of a priest of some cult? Are you some kind of soothsayer? Just, just who are you and what do you do and where do you live and who are your people? In my mind, basically, they're trying to determine what God or gods do you serve? To me, 
They're trying to get to that because in those days, what they do? The storm hit. The first thing they do is call on their God. They're going, this isn't natural. This isn't normal. This is supernatural. This is something beyond just ordinary weather pattern. And so they're trying to figure out, all right, we need to know what we're dealing with here. And we know that Jonah answered them. He says, well, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. And in verse 10, it says, and that terrified them. Now, I suppose you could only speculate about that, that that terrified them. Was it because it was the God of the sea and the land, and if the God of the sea made it rage, we're really in trouble? Was it that they would have known about the God of the Hebrews? And through the miracles that he had performed from long back uh, on those that fought against them and how he would bring miracles and do things upon his own people because of their disobedience, it doesn't say. But they were afraid. And they asked, well, all right, (laughs) I get this. Just think, 20 guys standing around. Women, you won't understand this because guys, we don't think too deep. You know, 20 guys standing around, all this is going on, and they're going, What did you do? He tells them, Look, I'm, 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 this is who I am. What, what did you do? Oh my goodness, you need to tell us. Well, what had happened is he'd already told him that he was running away from the Lord. And so he then says to them, uh, uh, he says to them, well, you know, hey, uh, this is who I am, and the reason this is coming is because I was running away from the Lord. And then in verse 11, it says, now the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So, again, the timeline The sea grew wild. How long did they paddle and how long did they row? How long did they how long did it take them to pull down the sails to decide what to do? How long were they calling their God? We don't know. How long did it take them to get all the stuff out and all the questions with no? We don't know, but we do know this. As they were doing it, it got worse and worse and worse. And the funny thing is with this is. You never hear or see any fear in Jonah about any of it. There's not, you don't hear anything from him. Why that was left out, I don't know. Maybe he wasn't afraid. I don't know. But we don't see it. But they were terrified, and the sea was getting rougher and rougher. And so they said, hey, what should we do? What should we do with you? What should we do so that the sea will calm and it will pass and we will be safe? That's what we want to know. And I I got to thinking about that. The sailors in their mind, they just had one singular focus to get out of the scenario that they were in. They just wanted the sea to calm. They just wanted peace. They just wanted calm. They just wanted safety. So I began to think about that, and I thought, man, how true is that with people that we encounter every day? 
How can I get out of the difficulty that I find myself in? Seems like people don't have time to God until a crisis hits their life. I can tell you, pastoring, the countless numbers of people that have come to me, and the only reason this is Christian and unchristian like, but always for those that don't know the Lord and they finally get to me, it's they only came because of what's happening in their life. If, they, if that wasn't happening in their life, they would never come to me. God would not even be on their radar. And sometimes it's because people said, hey, you, you know, you probably need to go. I'll tell you what, you need to go talk to my pastor. You need to hear some stuff. Or they come to you because they know you're a believer, and so they come to you, and, and there's turmoil in their life. And so they're coming to you, and they're not really... In the whole thing, they're really not turning to God. They're really just wanting to get out of the situation they're in. Now, here's something that I begin to think about, because, you know, when you... Uh, when you're a believer and you've been a believer for a while and you run into people, we got to be really careful how we address people. We got to be careful that when a crisis has happened in their life, that it's not that you're just going up to them and you're saying, oh, God loves you and he'll heal you or he'll help you. And you just pray for them. That, that, okay, just so you know, that's not true. That is, I mean, God could, God may, but you can't just say that because really what's going on in their life is probably because of their lifestyle. And really what's going on in their life is to bring them to... What, what does God want to use in that scenario? Bring them to a place where they acknowledge Him. And so we need to be careful when we're in those situations. We have empathy and compassion for people, yes. And we want to pray for them. But ultimately, somewhere we got to get down to it and, and, and really push them in the direction of Jesus. We, we've got to do more than just pray for them. Because I can tell you what, I can look back over time and I can see almost all of them, the majority of those people that came to me because of when, when they didn't, they, weren't, they were unbelievers, and or they were, this lady said this to me the other day, we, my son moved into a... Uh, uh, or he's bought a house and he's fixing up, he's moving into it. We were down there to help him with a couple things. And uh, I happened to be walking from my vehicle over and it's a great big lot, about an acre lot. And there's this little old lady with white hair waving, going like this, getting me to come. And so anyway, she wanted to introduce herself and we had a short conversation and she said something about her neighbors and she says, you know, they're chinos. I said, chino. Now, I thought, you know, I, I, I'm just thinking oh, some kind of Spanish culture of some sort, but she said it was Christian in name only. So I've had them <laughs> approach me. I've had unbelievers approach me. And when they're in the crisis... You know, you're just working with them. They show up at church. They, you know, they're just there. And then all of a sudden, the storm ceases. And so do they. And so 
I think it's kind of something for us because, you know, a lot of times, a lot of people would say, well, hey, the sailors, you know, hey, they, they came to Jesus. They, they, had a, they had a come to Jesus meeting. Now, I don't think so. I think they acknowledged the God of the Hebrews, but saying that they stopped the ship, went back to Jerusalem, went back to land, got off of Jerusalem and became, uh, what is it called when you become? A proselyte? Thank you. That's speculative. See, the paramount reason or the paramount aim for those that I just mentioned is to be saved from their trouble, which is upsetting their life and not necessarily to honor God. Now, we know that in this scenario, these guys didn't cause what was going on. Jonah did. It wasn't their doing. So... In the course, they just said, so what are we going to do with you? What, what should we do? Okay, it's, you made your God mad. Remember when they were taking the cart and they were moving it? And uh, the, the uh, Achan touched the, uh, was it, was it not Achan? What was that guy? Uh, Uriah, no. Whoever it was, touched the cart, died, right? Then they're going, how do we do this? Because there's a right way to do it. And they're almost saying, okay, it's your God. You made him mad. You tell us what we need to do about that. How are we going to appease your God? And I can't believe it. Jonah goes, throw me overboard. I don't know if that would have been my inclination. Right? (laughs) Now, let me just say that you know, we were talking about this on Friday. You know, um, in those days when they sailed, they would sail along the coast as far as, as, as long as they could. So, you know, whether they're going along the coastline and they can see the coast and they think, okay, well, maybe he can swim to shore. I don't know. But that wouldn't have been my first choice. Hey, just, yeah, throw me in. And so I'm getting to thinking, I, I would think... Me, personally. I would think Jonah would go, uh, just give me a, I need to go see Jesus for a few minutes and we'll be okay, right? I'm thinking if his rebellion caused a storm, wouldn't have his repentance stilled the storm? Was, was Jonah at that point still so determined, at that point, yeah, I'm not, yeah, throw me over because I'm not going to Nineveh. I would, rather, I would rather take my chance of getting thrown overboard and maybe trying to swim to shore. I don't know. And again, it's, it's open. So, so we don't, there's certain things at this point in the accounting that we can't see. But as we go forward and we look back, for me it's pretty easy to see that Jonah really hadn't had a true repentance. He might have had a storm hit his life. He may have had stuff hit him, but... There was a hardness, apparently, in Jonah's heart. Because it's even in chapter 4, when we get to chapter 4, he's still mad. He, st- he still has this attitude. And God has to say, Jonah, shouldn't you be concerned about these people that I'm concerned with? So anyway, throws him overboard. 
And the funny thing about that, the sailors are going, yeah, we don't even think that's a good idea. Jonah going, throw me overboard, and the sailors going, whoa, <laughs> boys, row harder. They didn't want to do that. And so they rowed harder. But as they were rowing harder, the storm increased all the more until finally they said, you know what, we don't really have a choice. Uh, we got to throw him overboard. It was his idea anyway. He told us to do it, so we're going we're gonna to do what he said. And I just think, you know, there's so many things we can pick up. There's a contrast of Jonah's unwillingness to show mercy to the Ninevites. And yet, these pagan sailors show mercy to Jonah, not wanting to have to do what he was doing. I get to think, and the verse that come across my mind was Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21. It says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but the Lord's purposes prevail. You know, it was, he wasn't going to calm the storm. He wasn't going to let him row to shore. He wasn't going to let Jonah off the hook. God was determined about Jonah. And so it says that they cried out to the Lord. He said, throw me overboard. They cried out to the Lord. And it was almost like, hey, God, we, we know this is so wrong, but he's told us to do it. That's all I can say. And, and look what they say. Please, Lord, don't let us die for this man's life. Don't hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. That's what they saw. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. And so what happened is they took Jonah, they threw him overboard, and we know that the sea, the raging sea, grew calm. And it was at this point, that the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered sacrifices to the Lord and made vows to Him. This is where people think, okay, well, they, they just accepted Jehovah God as Jehovah God. No, they just added Him as one of the others. They, there was an acknowledgement about this God of Jonah, this God of the Hebrews. So again, let me finish with this. So this storm was meant to bring Jonah to repentance and obedience. A storm was. Well, first of all, God's voice should have brought him to that place. But there was no conversation there. And so the storm, and that didn't work. So, into the sea. And God prepared a great fish. You know, as I got to thinking about this accounting, I got to thinking, what does God, how does God deal with you in your life? You know, I can tell you, I already know right now, I, I know how this works. I'm reading His Word, or I'm in prayer, and the voice of the Holy Spirit is going, <clears throat> Tracy, it's, it's that. It's, and I'm, you know, it's not that I can't hear Him, it's I'm ignoring that. So then I'm reading through Scripture, and it's kind of there, and I'm kind of reading past it, right? And so there's, then something is taking place. Something takes place. And you ignore that. And then something else takes place. You know, uh, this is really, this accounting of Jonah is good for us. And, and it's good for us in this way. 
It's, it's like, uh, you, you're just not going to get away from him. And, and, and you're not getting away from him is not that, how do I say this? All the things that are taking place in your life aren't meant to be punitive. All the things, the diff- varied things, and we're going to see that there's more than just a storm and a sea and a fish. There are a lot of things that God is using to get Jonah where Jonah needs to be. And there's just a lot of things in our life that God is going to use to get us to where we need to be. And so, if you're in that process, don't think that God's just mad and He's punishing you. God is Father, and He's trying to bring a correctiveness into your life for this single purpose. Right relationship with Him. Father, I thank You that You are the God of love. Yes, I can read, yes, I, I can read through Scripture, and I know how you judged Israel. I know that finally there was a point where your hand of discipline came out. But even in that, it was corrective. I never corrected my kids or spanked my kids just for the fun of it or to bring pain in their life. It was all to help them see uh, where they needed to be, the wrong that was done. It was always corrective. And so I pray that you just speak to us about that. If we're, if we're in that right now, uh, cause our hearts not to be so hardened. Spirit of God, just roll over us and soften that. Let your word wash onto that crustiness and let it become soft and just begin to slip away so that we are not distant. Help us to be hearers. Help us to be responsive to you. You are an amazing God over and over and over again. We are grateful for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Have an amazing day.